Well, I'm so glad you're here, and especially if you are our guest this morning, if maybe you're here for the first or second or third time. Uh, you may be traveling, or if you live here, that's, that's really good. I just want to uh, also, I want to thank this morning Paul Higgins. If, uh, if you don't know Paul, Paul has just moved to town just a couple of months ago. And as new new member here, new resident of Big Spring, and already using his great talent to serve and uh, to lead us, and has kind of joined the roster of the other really great, talented, godly song leaders that we have. So what a blessing. That's what I love about this congregation. We've got so many people that come together and use their talents and give and serve, and, and it's brought all together to to glorify God and to edify one another, and what a blessing that is. Thank you, Paul, for that great song leading. All right, if you were here last time, you heard me say that we need to be haters, in that we're talking about hating evil, and you may have, now if you weren't here, you're thinking, what in the world is this man talking about, being a hater? But I want to finish that idea, that thought that comes out of Amos 5 and verse 15 today. Because just to say, hate evil, it's scriptural. That's what we're told in that verse. Those four words, the first two which say, hate evil. And we saw how God is a hater. Yeah, God's a hater. Not of people, but of evil, of the act, of the behaviors, of the sin itself. Though He loves the sinner, doesn't love the sin, and we are not to, to as well. We're not to love sin either. We're to hate evil. But just to say hate evil is incomplete. It's only half of the equation. And so it would, it would to do just that and that alone create a vacuum. You've got to replace in place of, uh, as we're hating evil, we also need to correspondingly love. And what do we love? Love good. Because that's what this verse tells. Here's the, here's the whole verse. Here's what Amos writes. He says, hate evil, love good, and establish justice in the gate. Perhaps the Lord God of hosts may be gracious to the remnant of Jacob. And we, we focused on these four words. Amazing. <laughs> you know me, you might realize just how amazing it is. I could preach two weeks on four words. But, uh, so we want to focus on the second half of that equation. So we, are gonna, we need to be haters of evil recognize it, call it what it is, and have a appropriate and biblical disgust for sin, recognizing that it is evil, it is wrong, it is against God and who God is, it hurts, that it's the poison, the spiritual poison that it is. And no, if we knew something was poison, we wouldn't drink it. If we knew something would kill us, we wouldn't take it. If we knew something was harmful, we would, we would keep it away from our children and, our, and other people. We're like, no, don't take that, man. It's, it'll hurt you. It'll kill you. And how much more is so is that true in the spiritual regard to sin? Sin is corrosive. Sin is deadly. Sin separates one from God, according to Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. Sin kills. And it kills and it separates me from God, creating lostness that only Jesus can fix. And so we got to hate it. Now this is a scriptural idea. This idea of then now loving good in, as well. 
Because, for example, I, mean, I just want to, mostly I want to show you what the Bible says about this, because there's quite a bit, actually, that it says. Paul writes in Romans 12, and he says in verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Your love's got to be real. Your love's got to be genuine. Read this last week, and focused in on the, what, abhor what is evil, but I want to finish the sentence. Not only do we abhor, see that, see, see how strong a language that is? You don't just kind of mildly annoyed by evil, you abhor it. When you abhor something, you can't stand it. You just recoil in horror and disgust from it. You want to get away. But now look at the rest of it. Cling to what is good. There are, there are things to turn loose of in this life. There are things to hold on to. And in between those, and I'll talk about this someday, there are things, other things to hold on to, but loosely, hold on loosely to those. But now we're talking about the two on, on the either extreme. We need to get rid of, turn loose of, let go of the evil stuff. Take out that trash. But cling to, here's what you hold on to. Hold on to tightly, you don't let go of it. The things that are good, having the quality of goodness to them. Hang on to that. Now, you go to Philippians 4, same writer, different book. Paul writes in Philippians 4.8, he says, Finally, brethren, now look at this list. Look at the qualities of this list. He says, here's the stuff you need to be dwelling on with your mind. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable. Oh, we're, if you'll see this, we're going to knock out about 95% of Facebook, Twitter, and uh, reality shows and sitcoms and, and a lot of stuff on the internet. You know, a lot of media is not going to survive this list for sure. But he says, because whatever is true, there goes a lot right there. And because there's so much that isn't true. It's not according to truth. This standard of truth, not the standard of, well, I make up my truth, you make up your truth. Please, not that. That's bogus. This, the real truth. As Jesus said he prayed to God, he said, let it be by truth. He said, your word, thy word is truth in John 17. Whatever's honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, that have a good reputation, a good repute, not ill repute, but a good repute. Something that is known that that's a good thing, that's a right thing, that's a pure thing, that's a godly thing, that kind of stuff. If there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, what do we know that fits this? What kind of qualities, what kind of things, what kind of beliefs, what kind of behaviors, what kind of values would match this criteria, that's a high bar to be set, isn't it? I don't know how you get much higher than that. And he says, the things that this, look at what he says to do, dwell on that. See, there's what you hold on to. There's where you set your mind. There's where you put your affections and your intentions and your priorities on that kind of stuff. Ooh, that's, that's a lot shorter list than the world will offer for other things it would rather you set your mind on, for sure. Now look, let's, let's go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 13, here's what Peter writes. He says, who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what? 
Zealous, you know, the zeal, is, I mean, that's, that's, that's not just, okay, I will, but a zealousness is, a, is an eager excitement towards. That's where you really want this. You're not just, okay, fine, I will, I've been guilt-tripped into it, or I got some kind of a, uh, emotional or social gun to my head, so fine, okay, I will. No, a zealous is, I want to do that. Zealous for what is good. See, that's somebody who loves good, not just pressured into doing good. He wants to do good, zealous for it. Now, go to Titus 1.8. This is describing the qualities for those who serve as shepherds. And don't we want and need those men who are the, the pastors, the shepherds, the elders of the congregation to be men of integrity, men of quality, and, and praise God that we have such here. And it says, these guys are to be hospitable, loving what is good. Look at that description. Not that they just do good, not that they just are good. They love it. They desire it. They will seek. When you love something, what do you, what do, you do? You pursue it. When you love something, you want to go after and go get more. You like being around it. You're going to gravitate toward it. And it says they need to love what is good. Being sensible, just, devout, self-controlled. So a couple of things we'll look at as far as those who are lovers of good. Because that's what the Bible is telling us, all of us, that we need to be people that not only hate evil, but also as well, both of those, to love good. What do lovers of good do? What are they like? First of all, they seek what is like God. What is God level? What is God like? Now there's some, there's some things about God that I can't be like. Can't raise anybody from the dead, sorry. I can't heal sickness, I, I can't uh, walk on water, I can't uh, defy the laws of gravity or, or nature. But are there some qualities of God that we are to aspire to, that we are to pursue? Yes, and that's what he's talking about here. Paul writes in Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God. See? Just kind of do what God does. Little kids will teach you how important this is. How do kids, how do little children learn how to walk? How do they learn how to talk? How do they learn different behaviors and mannerisms and things like that? They're great at imitating, aren't they? And what does it take for the little kid to imitate? The, the, the mom or the dad or, or other, their siblings or other people around them. They, it's a lot of trial and error. Like when you learn to walk, what do they do? They've walk, they watched other people walk. So they've they got to watch and they've got to try. And it'll be a lot of up and down. You stand up. <laughs> plop down they go and we're like yay you know and then they get up and they do it again and fall down get up do it again fall down get up do it again kind of sounds like our life doesn't it? we get up we fall down we we fail we <laughs> but we get get up and go again try again keep doing it because we want to imitate god and you're not going to imitate god unless you're looking at him you watch a kid trying to like a little four or five year old boy wanting to wanting to be like his daddy and so sometimes the daddy has a particular walk. The little boy is going to want to walk because he wants to be like his daddy. And it's, it's cute and it's sweet, but there's a principle in there he's teaching us. And, he, and he'll walk behind his daddy, and what is he doing? He has locked his eyes on his father. And he's just watching daddy, and then he's trying to, he's trying to step just like daddy. You know, and it's cute when it's a little booty boy doing that. Oh, I'm going to try. Yeah. But man, he, he's right. We want to be like our Father in heaven. What do we got to do? Watch. As Hebrews 12 would say, fix 
our eyes on Jesus. We, so we can do this. Imitate God. So you, you, to imitate something, you've got you to be looking at it. You've got to know what it's like and the qualities that you want to emulate. Here's another thing. It says, Psalm 136, verse 1, the writer says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. See, here's why we imitate. Let's go into why we imitate God, why we want to do the godly kind of things, because that's, when you talk about good, that, is that not one of the premier qualities and characteristics of God? God is good. He's good. I think there's a song in our book, I think it's number 83, that says, God is so good. Sing it with me. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Oh, and he is. He's so good. So the Bible's going to say that over and over again like that. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. Doesn't stop. Then you go to Psalm 100. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. Same thought. And his faithfulness to all generations. Nahum 1 verse 7. What Nahum writes, the Lord is good. It's just a descriptive of his character and his nature. When God does good things, it's like, oh, of course, because that's, he's just being who he is when he does good things. A stronghold in the day of trouble. Anybody need one of those? A stronghold in the day of trouble? A refuge? A safe place? A strong tower that you can run to to, to find refuge and when things are really bad? We all need one of those. Different levels at different times. We all need that. And that's God. And He knows those who take refuge in Him. Lamentation 3, verse 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the person who seeks Him. Is that you? Is that us? Well, let's keep going. First Chronicles 16 and verse 34, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Have we heard that? Before? See how often that is repeated? It's as if they really want us to know this. It's as if this is really important you get this. So it's going to say this over and over in different places. God's good. His loving kindness never stops. He doesn't stop being good because when he's being good, he's just being God. He's being himself. Psalm 25, verse 8, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. Oh, taste and see the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Psalm 34, 8, and then Mark 10, 18. Jesus, somebody said something about being good, and, and Jesus asked him this question. He said, why do you call me good? Look at his answer. No one is good except God alone. And if Jesus is good, that means, wait, if, only, if, only, if only God is really good in, in the sense that he's saying, and, and Jesus, that means Jesus is, yeah, that's right. Jesus is God. Secondly, the only way we want to seek the God kind of things to be a lover of good. Secondly, we need to be drawn to the qualities of God. We just want to have an eager longing to be kind of like a tractor beam that pulls us toward these kind of qualities. People that are lovers of good, they, they recognize the different characteristics of God and they, they want that. They're like, that's, that's I want what I want to do. I want to go that way. 
Galatians 5.22, this includes what do we call the, the, the fruits of the Spirit, verse 22 and 23. The fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Well, doesn't the world need more goodness? You think so because you look around and you look at media and the news and what's going on and it just seems like there's an awful lot of badness going on, right, doesn't it? just seems like we got more than our, I don't know if it is, but it feels like more than ever. Or more than f- in, in who knows how long. Just a lot of badness and meanness and evil and hurt and struggle, and crime and tragedy going on in the world these days. What the world needs, it needs goodness, doesn't it? To counteract all of the badness going on. Well, where's the goodness going to come from? Us, from God's people. As we adopt and grow in and be more like Jesus, Jesus is good. God is good. And if we, the more we become like Him, the more we'll grow in being good and faithful and gentle, having self-control. Against such things there is no law. Let's go back to Philippians 4.8. We saw it earlier a minute and just look at this list. Here's this list again. And you look at these qualities, and this is, you see how it mirrors the qualities of God. And it's saying, God has these qualities. God is not going to ask you to take on some quality that he himself does not already possess. And is God true? Yes. Is God honorable? Is God right? Is God pure? Is God lovely? Is God of good repute? Is God excellent? Is God worthy of praise? God is the epitome. He is the very definition of all of these, every one of them. Nailed it. Done. Got it. And so when it tells us, whatever is the same list, he said, dwell on these things. He's saying, whatever is like God, put your mind there. And when it says dwell, that's, that meant dwell. that's where you live. That's where you stay. It's not a glancing thought. He's not just saying, Whatever, whatever's like that, just occasionally give it a bit of a thought. You know, just, a, oh, yeah, that's nice. You know, kind of a wink and a nod, hey, and then move on your way. He's like, no, you camp out. You live there. Dwell. Your mind goes there to stay on that kind of stuff. Again, that's a high standard, isn't it? The world would look at this and go, I'm going to do that. Well, but we don't operate like the world does. We've been called to a higher, a higher level. We've been called to a godly standard in the Word. We can be drawn to that if you want to be a lover of good. And thirdly, here's what I love about lovers doing good. Lovers of good, if you want to love good, you've got to do good. Because if you'll see from Scripture, Scripture is very much into to action. doesn't mean we act. Um, but you look at, like, for example, James 2 said, he who uh, connects a saving faith with, with a doing and a working and a serving. It says a saving, the kind of faith that God seeks is an active faith that is in motion. Faith in action. That's what God seeks. It's not a faith that's just intellectual and says, I believe. God would be saying, and you believe, and therefore what? He said, even the demons believe. Well, how many demons do you know in heaven? Even the demons believe and shudder. But do they submit? Do they live the life? Do they walk in the light? 
Uh-uh. Do they serve? Do they live according to the standard that we just saw, possess those godly qualities? No. So we see that good is as good does. Just like um, Hebrews 11, that faith chapter, it'll say, by faith Noah, here's what Noah did. By faith Abraham, here's what Abraham did. By faith Sarah, here's what Sarah did. And so on. It'll tell you faith is as faith does. Same with good and goodness. Goodness works. Goodness moves. Goodness helps. Goodness serves and goodness seeks out to to put it into practice. Here's Galatians 6. Do not lose heart in doing good, not just thinking it, not just, I want to believe, I'm going to believe some good stuff. Here I am believing good things. Okay, that's a good start, but it's not a finish. God would be saying, and because good, go do good things. Not for some legalistic, pharisaical, try to brownie point system to try to earn your salvation. No, you can't. It's because you have been saved. Saved people do. God's people move. Their faith moves them. The goodness of God motivates and animates them in their lifestyle. So don't lose heart in doing good, for in good time we will reap if we don't grow weary. So then while we have opportunity, let us do good. He says it twice right there. To all people, especially those who are the household of faith. Psalm 37, 3, trust in the Lord and do what? Do good. See, not just good thoughts, good intentions, good doctrine. Those things are great. Those things matter. But also behavior, lifestyle, the way you live, the way you act, the way you talk, the way you treat people. All of that. You've got to do good. And lovers of good do good. Matthew 5, verse 16. Here's the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus himself says, let your light shine. When the light shines, what? It's perceivable, isn't it? You take a, oh, a few months ago, our family, we went down to Carlsbad Caverns. If you were to go down there and turn out all the lights, it gets pretty dark. But one little flashlight would make a big impact in that kind of darkness. And he said, you are the light. You are that flashlight. Turn it on and shine. But he tells you how, and he tells you to what extent here. He says, let your light shine before men, so that's maybe they can perceive it and see it, in such a way that they may see your good works. See that action, that motion, that, that the doing of good things, the goodness there? You're, they got to see. See, what, 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 what are they supposed to see in you? The people that you work with, the people you go to school with, the people in your neighborhood, what are they supposed to be able to... You're doing it in such a way they can tell. What are they supposed to be able to tell? Good works. When you're, when you're helping folks, when you're living the life and walking the walk and talking the talk, people can tell. If they can't tell, if people at your school, in your class, in your, in your workplace or neighborhood that are around you a lot and know you, if they can't tell that you belong to Jesus, I got one question. Why not? See, it, Jesus tells us it's got to be obvious. We've got to live in this way. Because when somebody is shining a light and the darker this society gets, 
the more that light ought to stand out. And sometimes that's why we kind of hit the dim button because we frankly don't want to stand out. But that's, that's our role, man. That's our task. That's our mission. To illuminate the darkness so people can see the light and find their way to Jesus. So we seek the things that we seek to increase and to be near, those are the things we love. When you love something, you want more of it. When you love something, you want to get near it. It's the opposite of, of hate. The things I hate, I just step back from. The things I love, I want to get closer to. And that's what Second uh, Peter 1 and talks about, again, another list of qualities, characteristics, inner, the inner man, the inner person. If he, he says all of these things, and it, he, he lists those qualities, and he sums it up by saying, if these qualities are yours and are increasing. Because none of us have this perfect. None of us have got this all figured out. I sure don't. I bet you don't either. But if, they, if we're growing in those, they render you neither useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, the world, they, they're going to get that. They're going to seek to have us love the wrong things. They're going to say, oh, i got some stuff for you to love. Loving good, Psh, come here. I got something for you to love. Go to the party with me, and we got some. Don't you love this, or love them, or love you know? And they're going to redefine the word love. Uh, you, you look at our look at our music, for example. Our song, rock and roll songs, man, are the worst. You know, it's not just the rock and roll songs, but look at the way they define love. Love is something that happens after the prom in the back seat. Really. Okay, you know, love is a good time with a bottle and your, your honey and, uh, you know, woo you know, and it'll, and it'll describe all these things that the Bible will recognize and accurately say, no, that's, that's not right, that's not good. And uh, so we have to be careful. This, look at, look, at, look at this, read that. That's Isaiah 5, verse 20. Man, if this isn't the most, people that say the Bible... <laughs> I love when people say, this Bible's this old document that it's, it's so irrelevant. What is some thousands of year old, dusty old manuscript from who knows where, bunch of old dead people got to say about me? If that ain't the most relevant thing you've read today, I don't know what is. Does that not sound like 2021 America? Does that not sound like modern day society in the West? Do you see it's nothing new, what we're doing, but look at the way it's described. Well, Isaiah nails it right here. He says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Flipped everything backwards, upside down, inside out. They substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Everything that's, that's supposed to be good, they call it, ooh, that's gross, that's horrible, I don't want that. And the things that are evil and the things that are sinful and the things that are wrong, the world lifts up and goes, oh, shiny, cool, this is awesome, you got to do this or you're kind of a loser. You know, and it's all backwards. It's all inside out. How are you going to figure this out? You're going to need discernment. You're going to need, uh, you're going to need this. You're going to need the Lord. You're going to need prayer. You're going to need wisdom. God's wisdom. And we have it if we're His. You see how the world gets everything backwards. The Bible says there will be those that will be lovers of evil. You're supposed to be a hater of evil, but the world wants us to be a lover of evil instead. And it says those, those people, they justify the wicked. 
and you see this on TV all the time. How many TV shows, and sometimes we don't even realize it, we blow right past it while we're watching, but the, the, the sitcom of the movie has us rooting for the bad guy, and we don't even think about that. We're going, yeah, kill that guy. We never stop to go, wait, what have I just said? Sometimes just an evil or immoral character in a movie, they've set it up in such a way that we're just turning that person into the hero. And we're going, oh, get him, just, mm. We gotta be, we gotta be so careful. We need this kind of discernment. Verse Proverbs 20, 24, 24, 24 says, say to the wicked, you are righteous. So we, we turn those into our, our people we elevate. Look at this. Look at Rambo. Look at the Terminator, man. Come with me if you want to live. You know, and, and, we're, you know, and sometimes it's not a big deal. It's, not the, it's, it's fairly innocent. But, or, but if we're not careful, and with continual exposure to this, we can get our value system. It's a part of a bigger plot to just turn our value system inside out and upside down and have us not being able to distinguish evil from good or get them completely switched. And we turn into a hater of good. How are good people often portrayed in media? The nice guy. Oh, the nice guy comes in last. The nice guy's the loser. The nice guy's the weakling. The nice guy is the crook. The nice guy, oh, he looks really nice, but inwardly you're out, you know, some way he's just, a, you know, it's, it's just like, don't be like that. That guy's, that guy's a wimp. That guy's a loser. And that, that's, we have to be careful of the world. Look at Malachi 2, verse 17. It says, you have wearied the Lord with your words, the prophet tells them. He said, you, you, and they're like, what? How? And so they say, how have we wearied him? And he says, here's how. Here's how you've done it. In that you say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord. And he delights in them. Or, or you say, where is the God of justice? You see how they've gotten everything backwards. We have to be careful not to do the same. So therefore, here's my, here's my simple encouragement to you today. Be a hater. Yeah. You can go home and tell all your friends. My preacher told us to be haters. Well, yes, but make sure and get the context, if you would, please. Let's hate evil, okay? The evil itself. We love sinners, just like Jesus. If you say, how does, how does that distinction look like? Jesus. Jesus will show you how you make that distinction between loving a sinner and hating the evil. Look, for example, look at John 8, with a woman caught in adultery. He told her, go and sin no more. See, what you're doing, lady, is wrong, he says. But he also said this, neither do I condemn you. He loved her. He showed grace and love and mercy to her. Go and sin no more. But, you know, I love you, but stop doing what you're doing. And then we need to be a lover. We need to love God. We need to love good. God is good. So not only the God who shows us and who who invented good and is the owner of good, but the, the godly and good characteristics of God so we can emulate those, grow in those, and become more and more and more good ourselves. Not for our own glory, not for some legalistic self-righteousness, but because that's what God is like and we just want to be like God. We want to be more like Him because we love Him, because He saved us, because that's what He asks us to do. And... Uh, so let me leave you with this one. Psalm 34, who is the man who desires life and loves length of days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil 
and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil. There it is. Hate the evil and do good. That's both of them in the same thing. Seek peace and pursue it. So let's hate evil and let's love good. And I'd ask that anybody that needs to respond to the invitation, make your need.